Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi, everyone. I'm Monique, your host. Welcome to the show today. We've got another great guest this week. I'm here with Sabine Gideon. We'll be talking about the leadership operating system. Sabine is a transformational speaker, coach, and author. She's the founder of She Leads Network and the host of the She Leads Now podcast. Welcome, Sabine. Hi. Thank you, Monique. I am so excited to be here. Well, thank you very much for being here. I am super excited about your topic today. I And from what we were talking about earlier, you worked yourself to exhaustion in the corporate world, working your way up the ladder. You then had to make some decisions, take a step back, make some decisions about your future. What was that whole experience like for you? <laughs> you know, you said to work myself through burnout. And I think back to, okay, I think I've done that a couple times now. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that I recognize that. Um, so for me, you know, I had gone down the path of I, I wanted to start in HR. I majored in HR um, in undergrad, started in HR. So one of those unicorns um, got into talent acquisition and got to a place where, you know, I started interacting with the HR business partners and really wanted to be an HR business partner. And I remember very early in my career, you know, telling that to one of my managers and he was just like, oh, yeah, you're going to need about 20 years of experience before that can happen. And I took that as a dare uh, and figured out, okay, how can I fast track this? Because there's no way I'm doing this for 20 years. Um, so I've been sharing this. You know, I took on all the dots as one of my former managers coined it. So dots are development opportunities that suck. Um, so I <laughs> took on all of the dots, um, did all of the things, went back to school, got my master's, and then finally transitioned into this HR business partner role. And in less than six months, Monique, I was just like, you know what? This is not it for me. Um, not only had I outgrown that, you know, vision of myself for that role, but at the same time, the environment that I was in and how I had idealized this role um, just wasn't the same. And so that's when I started to look at okay, what am I doing? I had a mid, mid-career, mid-life crisis uh, situation. And also during that time, that's when I, I felt like the more that I did or the more that I worked, the less that I got out of it. So it was a combination of this is not what I want to do. This is not the environment that I want to be in. And so I got to ask myself two questions. Uh, where, where and when did I feel the most impactful and when and where did I feel the most alive in my work? Um, and that was working one-on-one uh, -on -one with leaders, as well as when I was working one-on-one -on -one with employees to map out their career trajectory and the, ne the next steps. And so that's been the thing. It's almost like I had to hit rock bottom in my career that very last time, because it's definitely <laughs> happened before then, to get to a place of figuring out where do I want to be and then starting to align myself with that type of work. And you ended up leaving the corporate world. What was your turning point? I mean, after you had these huge insights about what you wanted to be doing and what you enjoyed doing, did you continue doing that in the corporate world or you just decided to leave and do it externally? 
Yeah, great question. So it took about a year and a half before I actually made that leap. Um, but what I started doing, like most people do, right? Like you start researching. I started offering uh, career coaching and uh, resume writing to friends and family who didn't want to pay me. Uh, so I did all of the things in trying to learn. I signed up with a coach to learn my marketing. So it took me a while to make that transition. The catalyst really for me was I was at a place where um, I had been relocated to West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, and I you know, I was there just for the job. And I just knew I had a good 30 years before West Palm Beach could, you know, feel like home. And I knew that there was, I don't know, there was just this inkling in me that said it was more. And I remember getting the the feelings every day in that pull to make that leap. And, you know, just like everyone, right, you, you make all the excuses, but I'm, you know, I'm the only one working, like who's going to take care of me if something happens, yada, yada, yada. And one day I was walking my dog and I heard a voice because my thought was if I at least had like a list of clients, it would be easy to make this decision. And that voice came back to me and said, well, that wouldn't be faith, would it? And so that was the shift for me. And I started to pray for courage. Um, and I started to look for opportunities of how it could happen um, and how it could be my reality versus all of the fear that I was facing on why I shouldn't make that leap. And so many people, I think, are going through the same thing in the corporate world. They are faced with potential burnout, working way too many hours. And I know for me, that was one of the things also that happened when I was in the corporate world. And at the time during my corporate career, I thought that it was me and that I maybe was in a company that didn't fit with me and I needed to find another company that did fit with me. So I spent a lot of time switching companies, changing jobs, but still really, it none of them seemed to align, which I eventually found out that it was not aligning with my values. Mm -hmm. And when I finally did that soul searching, I realized that that's what the disconnect was, is that my values weren't aligning with these companies. What was that like for you? Did you have to do a, a inner work around finding your values? I did. I did. It's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because as I think about my career, there's probably been only one organization where I felt aligned with the values of, of the organization. And part of that was I was a recruiter slash HR generalist. And every candidate that I spoke to, I had to share the values of this particular organization. And it was so deeply embedded and aligned with who I was. It was easy to sell, uh, quote unquote, you know, the organization. I realized that after 10 years of being a recruiter that when I got to a place where I could no longer sell the, the value proposition, if you will, of working there, when I was no longer aligned, then it was time for me to leave. So that's how I used to determine, okay, this isn't, this isn't it. I'm not passionate about this. I could care less if people come, come work here. I probably shouldn't be the recruiter. I probably should be in a different role. So very similar to you. When I got to this last place, um, you know, the opportunity was there. Like I could still be there and have climbed, you know, the ladder and whatnot. But I had a series of leaders that I um, in some parts chose. Right. But at the same time, were kind of brought into my life. 
And it was their way of operating as leaders that ultimately was not the alignment with me. Um, you had, I had, you know, experience of like the very passive, absent, like, I don't care what you do leader to the very micromanaging uh, leader and, and the one who never said thank you to the team, no matter how hard they were working and his expectations were always, you know, at a hundred to another leader who was very passive aggressive in his way of leading. And so it's literally these leadership experiences that I had with these leaders that made me say, okay, no, <laughs> there is no way that I can sit here and try to uh, have someone who who fundamentally them at the core of who they are, they don't align, align with who I am. So how are they going to help bring out you know, my values, my best, if we're not in alignment there. So it was less about the company and less about the role, but more about the way that the leader was being that uh, caused me to look back at it and say, mm, nope, this is, this is not it. And I think there are still leaders like that out there in very toxic environments and leaders that haven't done enough inner work to to understand their own values and to understand how to be a good leader in the workplace. Do you currently work with all types of leaders and male and female? I do. I do. I, for the most part, because of uh, She Leads Now, the podcast and She Leads Network, uh, which I founded, I market uh, a lot to, to women leaders, um, but I do work uh, within organizations in, in male and female leaders and, and mostly those who are either first time people managers or they've been managing for a little while, but recognize that with the shifts of, you know, what the expectations are today, they need to show up a lot differently than they have in the past. Since you went through your own personal process of aligning your values with what you're currently doing now, how important is it for a person's values to align with their career choices and how do you help them do that? Oh my gosh, it's everything. It's everything. I mean, we've all had those jobs that we just we crawl out of bed and we are dreading, you know, you talk about the Sunday scaries and all of these things, right? A lot of that has to do not because the, the job sucks or the economy sucks or whatever. It's really because we're not in alignment with that work. And what I've found with my leaders, uh, the ones that I work with, you know, one of the very first questions that I'll, I'll ask them uh, after we do assessments and everything is, who are you? And naturally, I get the, I'm a mom, I'm the executive vice president of dot, 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 this, that, and the third. And it's all the roles, right? And it's all the identities that they've taken on. And then I'll wait. And then I'll ask again, who are you? Right? And then maybe I get some other responses reflecting that until we hit a, we hit a place where, <laughs> one, they get tired of me asking, and two... <laughs> You know, it finally breaks for them where the answer is is either one or two things, right? It's either I don't know the answer to that question, which in and of itself is very revealing for that person, right? Or it gets to a point where they have that light bulb of who they really are and they can see how who they are is not in alignment with all of these roles and all of these identities that they just listed out to me. Um, so that's that's usually the first place that I start, right? Because before we can get to 
to values before we can get to, you know, your strengths and all of those pieces at the core, if you're not connected with self, then all of that other stuff is just stuff that you've picked up along the way from other people. So we start at that root and then we look at, okay, well, based on who you are, this being, right, this, this wonderful, uh, brilliant being, what are your values? What are your, what are the things that are important to you? What are your non-negotiables? And I don't do it in values, uh, values assessment for the sake of, oh, okay, now I know that, you know, growth is a value or courage is a value or authenticity is a value. No, these, if these are truly your values, then how are you making decisions based on those values? How are you perceiving life based on those decisions, based on those values? How are you treating others based on your values? So at the core you know, you can pick a hundred different values, but we all have things that are just unique to us. And I help them identify that because it then trickles in where they can see, oh, no wonder this, this doesn't feel good, or this is such a hard thing for me to do because there's a, there's a misalignment in values. These customers, right? Like, yes, they pay the bills, but they treat our employees like trash. And if my value is really around service or my value is really around, um, you know, uh, love or freedom or whatever the case may be, and it's not reflected, then maybe this person doesn't need to be my customer. So it's really looking at it as you first and then holistically, what does that look like and how does that apply in the organization? And then how are you then supporting your team members to ensure that their values, right, are in alignment and that you're moving towards the same mission. Sometimes it's a huge awakening also for clients once they realize that their values are not in alignment with their company. I know a lot of them in coaching with me, once they realize that, then they're like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? What's next? So it's the process of identifying their values and realizing what they are, and then realizing that they do not align and what's the next step. And sometimes that's terrifying for people when they realize that. So when that happens in the clients that you work with, what is the next step that you go to with them? Yeah. So when that happened to me in 2016, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. My entire identity had been wrapped up in my career. Um, and so to get to a place of, oh my gosh, I don't even know, like, what am I doing all this for? Who am I? And all those questions, it was really devastating. And so that's what led me to taking the step back of rather than, um, you know, stewing in the devastation and the disappointment and all of the negative uh, head chatter that comes along with that, like you wasted so much time and everything. That's when I decided to ask myself those two questions of when did I feel the most alive and when did I feel the most impactful? And that's exactly what I do with my clients, right? If for the ones who get to that place where they have that realization and it's devastating, two things will happen. They will either go into straight fear and survival mode and try to cling like no one's business to the very the very thing that they just recognized that they didn't you know that they weren't aligned with out of fear or they you know will go into the space of curiosity to say okay well what can i do next and so depending on where they are you know i, I meet them where they are if it's if it's fear-based and they're now clinging 
I try to help them go back to, okay, well, what's, what do you really want to accomplish here? And, you know, if you could align a role with your values, what would that look like? Or a company with your values, what would that look like? And get them back into that innovative dream state, if you will, for the ones who are ready to explore. That's when we start to take a step back and say, what are some of the, what are some of the hints? I believe success leaves clues, right? What are some of the hints in the past in your career or people you admire that you, you know, you want, would want to explore what that looks like. So it's really depending on where that person is and, and what their mind tells them to do in reaction to the realization of that devastation. For those listening in today, what is one thing that you can tell them that they could do right now to see if they're in alignment? Ooh, yes. So values assessment first and foremost, right? So what are your values? And and don't just pick whatever's out there, right? Just think about what are the things that are non-negotiable to you, right? If you are someone who perhaps, um, you know, is driven to succeed, right? What what's, what's really driving that? Like get to the heart of what is that value that is driving that? Um, there's a whole bunch of assessments that you can take out there um, for, you know, to help you get to that place for free and for paid. Um, and so really taking that step back to say, okay, here's one thing that I know bothers me. It's been bothering me for years. Where's the value alignment? Maybe you start there, like start with the thing that's causing the most pain and then digging a little deeper to see where is the misalignment for you. We've been talking to Sabine Gideon, the founder of She Leads Network. We've been doing a deep dive into how to align your core values with your career decisions. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear about the leadership operating system framework that Sabine has created. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique, and we're here with Sabine Gideon. For those of you who just tuned in, we've been talking about how leaders can assess their values and align them with career goals. We're going to hear a little bit now about a framework that Sabine has created called the Leadership Operating System. Sabine, what exactly is, can I call it the LOS? Is that okay? (laughs) Okay. Yes, please. (laughs) So the LOS is actually, it it, it builds upon what we were just talking about, right? So you you look at the Leadership Operating System and it's, it's, it's circular, right? So three parts to it. First one is the leader, shocker, right? And that's where, just like we were talking about getting clear on your values, we start with a leader because no matter what's happening in an organization, no matter what's happening in marketing or in the market, at the end of the day, everything starts and ends with the leader. That's a lot of pressure, right? And that's that's clearly recognized. Um, and part of why I do the work that I do is because I do feel that leaders are often the most um, underdeveloped uh, just because they the expectation is they'll figure it out. So starting with you, what are your values? What are your drivers? What are some of the behaviors that you have that are so um, you know, instinctive to you that you don't recognize how they're impacting other people. And so I use a series of different tools to get to the heart of those values, to get to the heart of those drivers, to get to the heart of the behaviors that help you succeed. And then the ones that actually can lead to blind spots, right? Because we know that oftentimes we want to lean on our strengths. And when we lean on our strengths too much or when our strengths are overused, it could actually backfire where it's creating more damage, um, you know, with the people around us than it is doing good. And then the other piece, too, is, I, you know, I'm recognizing that a lot of leaders, especially in corporate, really don't understand that, you know, with every new promotion or with every new level, it's not about the title bump. It's not about the salary. It's not a you are literally transforming into a different version of yourself. And I don't think enough leaders take the time to really sit back and think about wow, I got to shed this, right? Like first-time people managers, they go from doers and they struggle to become delegators, right? And part of that is because so much of their identity was wrapped up in doing that they don't, that they feel there's a bit of a loss. And so working through that. So that's, that's the L of the leadership operating system. Then you look at the organization. You look at it holistically, just like we were talking about. What, what is the mission? What is the value? What are the products? What are the services, right? Getting clear that you being who you are, you're in alignment with what it is that you're selling. Because regardless of whether you're in a sales role, you are selling something. You are selling being, uh, you know, being the employer. You are selling the product. You're selling whatever. Making sure that organizationally, 
that there's alignment, that there's processes. As the leader, you want to make sure that, you know, work is easy for your staff, right? So where there are uh, roadblocks, where there are bottlenecks, how are you looking at it holistically to say, okay, where can I step in? Where can I move things? Where can I make different decisions? Or if we have to make tough decisions, how can I leverage, you know, my values, who I am and all these things that I know to make those decisions? Then you go into the team, uh, which is the 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 staff, right? The S part of the LOS. And now you're looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, I, I've gotten clear on who I am, what's important to me, what drives me. I've now looked at the organization. We figured out what the strategy is going to be, what we're driving towards, where there are, are operational efficiencies. Now we start to look at the team and make sure that we have the right people in place who can drive that vision. And, you know, in some cases, depending on if you're inheriting a team or if you're, you know, the the individual contributor moving up to that, you're going to have some challenges on team dynamics, right? So really figuring out what are the strengths, what are the opportunities, what are the weaknesses of your team members? How do you develop them so that ultimately whatever you have decided, you and your team or your organization have de decided are the organizational goals or the organizational mission, that they can actually support it. And in cases where, you know, the organization shifts and the team is not equipped to be able to support that, what are you as the leader going to do to help them, whether it's upskilling, training, whatever it is, so that they can continue to meet the, the vision? So it's just circular. It's not, you know, just, oh, this is where leaders sit at the top and they're disconnected from the team. No, the team needs to know what, you know, where I, I, I like to say heart, the team needs to understand your heart, right? around the organization, around them. So, and they need to understand what the mission, the vision, the values, all of those pieces of the organization are where they're moving forward so that they can do what they need to do and do their work. Do you have any examples of shifts that you've seen in your clients when they've come to you, they've been misaligned, you introduce the LOS to them. What examples do you have of how they've shifted? Yeah, great question. So um, I was uh, supporting or I'm still supporting a uh, an executive director for a nonprofit. And so basically the organization at the time that that uh, she became to came to be my client, the organization was on this growth trajectory. But because they had been operating, you know, as is and, you know, sometimes nonprofits like the, the financially, it's just kind of like, let's all hands on deck. Let's just get things done. So we spent a good deal amount of time on her, right, getting clear on her values. She was, in the beginning, she was thrust into this role. Right. And so she was just good at doing so she you know, was elevated to the ED role. Um, and so as she, as the organization started to grow, demand started to change, she recognized that she could no longer still operate in that. So we focused on what are the values? What are the drivers? Where do you get hung up? Um, what are you not delegating that you should be delegating, right? So we worked through that process. Then we started to look at the organization because as the organization, um, you know, was growing in terms of team, before uh, before we got to the place where the organization could grow in terms of team, we had to get clarity on like, okay, what is the organization today? This is what it was five years ago, right? But where does it need to be today? What are some of the, think about it from the perspective of strategic planning, right? So we did the strategic planning around the organization's goals, um, around building relationships, better relationships with the board. Um, so moving through that process. And then we looked at the team. We looked at the individuals who were there, 
right? What are their strengths? What have they been working on? How have they grown or how have they not grown? We looked at now that we are, the trajectory was to grow the organization by X amount, who did we need on the team? And so we started leveraging tools where there wasn't this pattern of hiring the same type of person over and over again. Now you understood the gaps and you could be strategic. And I use a uh, predictive index. So we leverage predictive index to take a look at, okay, well, where are the gaps? Like if, you know, we had a lot of processy, uh, process oriented people, but we needed someone to drive innovation, right? So you could be strategic having this information and knowing like, these are the behaviors and drivers that we're going to need for certain roles now. And so, it, it, you know, sometimes people think that when it comes to building an organization or growing an organization, it's just kind of like, oh, it's all about skill or it's all about whoever wants to work for you. No, there are tools in place for leaders to be very strategic in their decision making around how they build their teams, how they lead their organizations and certainly how they lead themselves. I think you made a really good point earlier. You said that when leaders first become leaders or get promoted, they're really expected just to know everything, just to jump in and start doing what a leader does. And that's not the case at all. And there are very few resources out there for leaders to help them grow. And I think leaders can sometimes beat themselves up over the fact that they don't know how to be a leader they assume they should automatically know because now they're in that role. So that impacts then their confidence level, their self-esteem, which has a, a whole other effect as they work in their role. What are some of the shifts you have seen in the day-to-day -day leadership in companies versus maybe back when you were in corporate? Yeah. So, so two things I, I want to say to that. Well, back when I got into corporate, it was, um, I was being led by a lot of boomers. So it was very much uh, command and control. It was all about, you know, when you walk through the door, you leave your problems at the door and, you know, you show up and you work. Um, it was also about, you know, FaceTime, right? Like you were the first one in and you were in first one, first one in, last one to leave. So a lot of these messages and, and even the development opportunities that suck the dots I got from one of my uh, earlier managers, it was very much, uh, hey, you're here, you're here to work, you work hard, you get the work done, you get elevated, right? Whereas now we're starting to see it's it's less, not that it's less about getting the work and the productivity, but the mo focus is more on not on FaceTime, because first of all, a lot of us aren't going into offices anymore. Right. So that's irrelevant. It's more around productivity and to be able to uh, hold people accountable and to lead in that capacity. You can't you can't see them. You don't know when they're working. You don't know what that is. So whereas managers were, you know, trusting people were working because they could see the butts in the seats. Now they're having to think through differently of, OK, how do I how do I uh, figure out what performance metrics are, you know, are reasonable in order for us to be able to track so that I can tell if this person is being productive. Uh, there are a lot more uh, one on ones or quicker check ins. Um, you know, with the team members like, hey, how's it going? Man leaders need to be a lot more aware of the lack of connectedness that we had naturally in when we were all in the same building and figuring out how do I do that differently? 
Then you add in the component of the uh, the generations, right? So, you know, what millennials, I'm considered a geriatric millennial. I hate that term, but it's, <laughs> it's catchy. Um, so millennials had their one way of being, right? And then you look at the generations, Gen Z, their expectations are completely different than what millennials, millennials and Generation X, right? Like we kind of fell into it. Millennials challenged the status quo to an extent, but Gen Z is coming in where they want to bring their whole person to work. They want you to care about them. They want you to, in some cases, unfortunately, parent them. And so as a leader who may have a staff of multiple people, how do you still hold that line of being empathetic and being compassionate and being all these things and being socially, you know, active and all this other stuff and then still making this person feel supported? So leadership has really, really shifted um, now where it's not about managing to and um, it's not about managing to the widget, so to speak, but it's managing to outcomes and to be able to manage to outcomes, you need those influencing skills. You need to be able to connect with your um, with your team members. You need to be able to clarify or, or share a vision that they can buy into that is aligned with their values. How do you think women are being impacted by these shifts? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I could start so many places here. The, the piece that I advocate for on two things, right, when it comes to leadership, my philosophy is that leadership is an identity, right? That it really doesn't matter whether you're in the role of a leader or you have the title, you're leading at home, you're leading in your community, right? So I, I start with the foundation of we are all leaders. And I think historically in corporate environments and certain structures, right? Um, and we we see it today, right? With, with the number of CEOs, of women CEOs versus um, male CEOs, we see in the pay gap, we see it on all those things. There's just been this uh, historic weight or narrative around, you know, the skills that women have that weren't necessarily always identified as leadership, right? So we think about uh, before when I started the competencies, right? I think Lominger's and now like some other group has it. It was around executive presence. It was business acumen. It was, you know, all these technical stuff with like empathy, compassion and communication kind of like rolled in there. Now those have come to the forefront of these are actual competencies that you need to have to holistically be effective in leadership. Meanwhile, for a very long time, when women displayed those things, it was seen as soft, right? The soft skills. It would seem like, oh, it didn't really have an impact on the bottom line. So now it's thrust, I feel, or created a space and a platform for women to just be naturally who they are and be effective in leadership. Yes, they can still learn the more technical stuff, but the very things that maybe were shunned in the past aren't being shunned. And then the last piece that I'll say to that too is at the same time, the warning of overused empathy, overused compassion, overused pieces still lead to burnout. They lead to all these things. So being mindful of, yes, just show up as who you are, but not crossing that line and overusing it or overextending yourself. That authenticity is really important. And as you were talking, it, it it's such a good point because women have always felt that they were less than because they have empathy and they, they're good listeners and things like that. And now they finally are able to celebrate 
those characteristics about them. But again, you're right, the overuse, whether it's coming from a male leader or female leader, can still lead to burnout. It's you're exhausting yourself when you do that. And if you don't refill yourself and take care of yourself with the self-care, then again, you're no good in the workplace. You're no good as a leader. So very, very good points. Yeah. And then you also, uh, that to the extent that it, it becomes enabling, right? You then don't allow the people that you're pouring into so much to fail, um, to learn the hard lessons that they need to, right? So it's just like, it's recognizing that, yes, you being who you are is great and is awesome, but leveraging it to the point where you still allow those whom you are leading to experience their, you know, their pain, to walk through that process, because that's, that's part of the human experience. Like that's how they're going to grow. We can't shield people from experiencing negativity in the workplace or anywhere in life for that matter. We've been talking to Sabine Gideon about the leadership operating system and how leaders can implement their own LOS. We're going to head to a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more about the impact of an LOS on teams and the entire organization. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. 
Sabine and I have been talking about how she helps leaders align with their values and how they can create a leadership operating system to use as a tool. We're going to hear more about the impact of an LOS on a larger scale. Sabine, doing this kind of work, when leaders do this inner work, since it, it starts with them, it's hard. Why should leaders care about defining their LOS? Because it's hard work and it takes time. Yeah. I mean, the alternative is everything that we've been talking about, right? The alternative is you doing all of the things and le and getting to burnout or you not setting a clear vision for the organization and where it's headed and you know making decisions perhaps maybe out of fear or out of ignorance that leads the organization to go in the direction that you don't want it um and also making sure that you know if if you don't have the right team members on staff if, if they don't have the you know of course the right skills and experiences but certainly the right drivers or things that can help support that then you spend more time as a leader you know i, I like to call it adult babysitting uh, adult babysitting than you do you know actually driving the mission forward and not only that you'll face a lot more turnover and we know that it takes it first of all it costs a lot right to lose someone in that first year because of all of the money and all the, the time spent in recruiting so yes it's painful uh, and yes it's uncomfortable and it's it's it doesn't feel good but at the end of the day it's having that longer term vision of what are you trying to build are you trying to build this thing that you know is is greater than who you are or are you trying to you know make an impact in the space that you are you're in then that requires that upfront work so that it can make your day-to-day -day easier and i think that that's what i'm seeing uh we, you know with my clients and what we're seeing in the marketplace like leadership just has gotten hard because it just keeps expanding the definition of what it means to be a leader and the responsibility it just keeps expanding and so my my challenge would be to to those listening if you're like oh my gosh that's so much okay think about trying to do all of that all of the stuff that's expanding and you know pushing against the boulder versus let me take the time to to do this up front so that the pathway could be a lot smoother and easier when leaders have their los in place on a broader scale more strategically what does that do for the organization as a whole Oh my gosh, it's it's the alignment. It's almost like what we, let's talk about it from an individual perspective, what we experienced, right? When we were out of alignment, we weren't, we probably weren't making, you know, the the compensation that we wanted. We didn't feel our best, right? Physically and all those, all those pieces, mentally, emotionally, right? We probably, our relationships were suffering because we were in that space, right? So now you take that to an organization you're seeing the same thing. I'm, I'm a firm believer that how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So when you as the leader or an organization is out of alignment or is out of alignment, that's where you see the toxic behavior, the passive aggressiveness, that's where you see all of the negativity and then no one wants to be there. The business is still there, customers are still there, but you're barely getting by. 
versus where an organization is is optimal. So again, I'll use the individual when you feel at your best physically, emotionally, like you you want to talk to everyone, your relationships are great, your results are great um, from your business perspective, who you're able to help and who you're able to serve. Same thing with the organization when everyone is in alignment and on the same page. It doesn't happen overnight, right? I'm, I'm not saying that it's an overnight thing where like you just wake up and you're that way. But if you have the intentionality, I feel like anything that we put our minds to, right, the universe starts to move towards us in in helping us to create that. So when the intention of the leader, when the intention of the team, when the intention and the processes in the organization are moving towards a specific path, some point you're going to reach whatever that goal is. Um, and is that not why we're in business? Is that not why we go to work? Like, yes, we want to pay check. Yes, we want to pay our bills. But we also, I, I'd like to believe most leaders um, in organizations, they do want to make an impact. Um, they do want to, you know, do something great with the time that they have here on earth. And then leave something for the next generation or seed something positive in the next generation. I feel like the leaders I work with do feel that way, that they, they're they truly trying hard. They're trying to be good leaders. They're trying to do their best. They don't want to be toxic. They don't want to be in a toxic environment. And they just are stuck because they have no support or very little support or they're being led by a toxic leader. So I, I love the idea of the LOS. If an organization or leaders do not have an LOS in place and given all the extra responsibilities right now on leaders, how can they show up stronger in their roles right now? Yeah, so two things. One, uh, one of the things that I've, I've been um, talking to organizations a lot about, and <laughs> it's gonna sound a little counterproductive, uh, but part of why a lot of leaders are overwhelmed in, in terms of the work that they have to do is because a lot of it, a lot of it feels like they're the only ones who can do it. And so one of the solutions that I've been bringing forth is really around an old notion around succession planning and talent reviews. And the reason why that has been the solution that I've been bringing forth is, you know, most of the time, again, leaders have that mindset that I'm the only one that can do this or all this pressure is on me. And they know that there are individuals on their team who have specific skill sets or who have capacity to do different things. Right. But really taking that moment to step back and say, OK, if this is the vision that we're driving towards. Right. And I've built this team or I have this team of people. At some point, because again, you they want to grow. I'm assuming you know these leaders want to grow. How can I start to create a pathway that one allows me to delegate more work and not just to get it off my plate, but for the sake of helping to develop the next generation of leaders? And I think that that's where that's where we're seeing the biggest strain right now. Is you have, especially in the last couple of years, you've had a lot of leaders leave organizations, and and now you're seeing even more with women. They're you know two, maybe three steps away, or maybe even just one from the C-suite, and they're saying, you know what, I don't want this. And there's like the statistics around like when you lose one woman in the C-suite, you really lose the power of, of two leaders, right? Two woman leaders, because it's going to take that long because there's no pipeline. So I say, oh, it's a, you can look at it from the perspective of as a leader, if you focus your time, and I know it's easier said than done, 
But if you can focus your time on building other leaders within your team, building other leaders where other people feel like they have the agency, they have the autonomy, they have the authority to step in and start to make decisions and drive it, then it becomes less about the weight is on your shoulders and you have to figure it out and you just have these people to disseminate the work to, to now you've built an entire team of leaders, an entire team of people who are accountable and responsible for whatever their area of influence is that is helping to drive you. So it's not that you take the back seat by any means, and I'm not an advocate for leaders you know, going in the ditches with their teams, but it's more of as you're in front, you are preparing or you're putting down breadcrumbs, put it that way, so that people can accelerate and get closer to you. So then it becomes more of a collaboration versus, hey, I, I got to drag you. How is, with the change that's happening right now in organizations, with all the layoffs and the shifting of positions and all of that, people are stressed because of change and they don't like change. What's a better way for leaders and employees of any level to manage change better? Yeah, that's that's a great and loaded question. Um, mm -hmm. I used to say all the time that, you know, there, there are two constants in life, right? Death and change. Like <laughs> those are, not to be morbid, but those are the two constants. And yet every time those two show up, we as human beings were like, oh my gosh, what is this? What I can't deal with it. But it's something that we see. We see it in nature. We see it in our experiences. So for me, you know, when it comes to change, and, and I, this is not a blanket, obviously everyone has their own, you know, situations and things that they're dealing with. So I'm not trying to minimize what people are experiencing by any means. But part of being a leader, and, and I'll say this from an accountability perspective, is if you're if you're the type of leader where you you know you can't get out the trenches right like you are always in the trenches with your team i would challenge you and ask you well if you're in the ditch or if you're in the trenches with them who's leading who's leading right so it's like the blind leading the blind in that type of situation and so that's why when change comes no one was on the pier or on the outlook, looking out for what was coming up next. So if you're finding yourself being in the trenches, two things, you need to look at who's on your team. You need to look at advocating for additional resources or having some agency and communicating and re level setting expectations with your leadership so that they understand that these priorities aren't realistic and I need support. That's one thing that I will pause and say that leaders oftentimes struggle with is asking for help. Again, because of that expectation that I have to, it's all on my shoulders, I have to figure it out. There's always this resistance and fear of going to their manager and saying, hey, we need to reprioritize here, right? So you start with that, identify, are you back in the trenches or are you, are you leading the pack? Uh, the other piece to that is, you know, from a perspective of, of, for leaders, and I think you mentioned this, you have to fill your cup. You have to fill your cup, right? There, that saying, uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. It's not just, it's not just nice things that coaches say um, or self-care. It's not just something that, you know, other people get to have. You, you're not a machine. We're not machines. And if you as a leader think that, oh, I got to push through and I got to do all this other stuff, what you are doing is modeling that to your team. And so you and your team are going to be burnt out. 
So the question becomes, again, going back to how are you putting yourself first? How are you prioritizing your health? How do you prioritizing your emotions and everything else? And then how is that being reflected back to you and modeled within your team? Speaking of self-care, what are some things that you do to keep your mindset where it needs to be? Oh, my goodness. So I'm I'm big on reading. So I do a lot of reading um, around whether it's mindset, whether it's business. Um, I've taken countless courses <laughs> around um, mindfulness. Uh, one of the things that I do uh, at least once a month, and, and I've, I've had to learn to do this as an entrepreneur, like just writing on my calendar off, right? For the longest time, it'll be five years in, in August, uh, or July, since I've been an entrepreneur, I've never scheduled time off for myself, right? It's always just been, oh, if I have a few days or something comes up this year, when I was planning, I actually put in one week a quarter. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's the other stuff like getting a massage, getting your nails done, all of those, all those things. The other thing that I do is I have a morning routine. And I think that the, this has been a, such a game changer for me. Before it used to just be, I got out of bed and immediately I was working on work, right? Now I've created space. First thing in the morning, I wake up earlier. There's an hour towards fitness, physical fitness. There's an hour towards my mental fitness. And there's an hour towards my spiritual fitness. So the first three hours of the day are me pouring into me so that by the end of the day, I'm not negative. I may be depleted, but I start the day again being fueled up. Sabine, where can our listeners find you and learn about your book and your podcast? Great. Thank you for asking. Um, so you can find me on my website, sabinegideon.com. Uh, all of my resources and services and all that are listed. Uh, also LinkedIn, uh, that is my hangout spot. So if we're not connected and you're listening to this, please feel free to send a connection request. Let me know that you heard me on the show. Um, let me know that you heard me on the show um, and I'll be happy to connect. Sabine, thank you so much for being here. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. You can find me on LinkedIn at MD Consulting or my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. Come back again next week. And as you go through your week, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.